Hey, Crossview, Rosa Parks. It is good to be together in this new year. Happy New Year to all of you. I'm really excited today we get to start a new sermon series on our vision here at Crossview. Now, most of us are really excited to kick out 2020, but there were some good things that happened in 2020. And as many of you know, my family has been playing fantasy football this fall in 2020. And I have an update. I lost. I got last place in the Family Fantasy Football League. Now, I mention that as good because while I did lose in the Family League, in the Father-Son Church League that I was a part of, my boys and I were the number one seed for the regular season going into the playoffs, and as you might have guessed, we lost in the semifinal game. But hey, in the consolation game, we wiped out the other team. I don't know if we double scored them, but it was pretty close. We had a phenomenal third place game. So we took third place in this year's fantasy football father-son uh, league that we were a part of. Now, before this year, I had not really played fantasy football at all. And, you know, to be honest, I kind of thought that fantasy football was kind of a waste of time. But let me tell you that I changed. I loved fantasy football, and I'm really sad this last week that it was over. I'm looking forward to next year. I'm already talking about it with my boys and my family about what it's going to look like. And let me tell you, it was that first draft when my boys and I sat down and we calculated what would be the strategic move, how much money to put on this player. It's all play money. We're not putting any money down. But we calculated, you know, who should we pick up here? You know, who should we let go? And I was hooked. It was a ton of fun. By the end of that draft, I was already organizing our family fantasy league. I was recruiting my dad and organizing the draft day. I went from a fantasy football Scrooge to a fantasy football commissioner. Now, some of you are not into fantasy football. That's not your thing. That's okay. I might try to convince you otherwise, but uh, we all have things in our lives. We have things that we get really excited about, we're passionate about, we love. We all have things that we're really good at, that we could teach somebody else how to do. And in today's passage, we're going to talk about the purpose of the church, why we exist. And Jesus is going to talk about something that hopefully we love, the church, that we love so much that we're willing to share it with other people. We're in Matthew chapter 28 today, verses 16 through 20. This is known uh, to many as the Great Commission. It spells out the mission or the purpose of the church. So if you want to turn in your Bible or grab your Bible device and follow along, it will also be up on the screen here as well. I would love to have you join us with that. We're in a series in this month of January where we're going to talk about the purpose of the church, the mission of church, and specifically we're talking about the mission here at Crossview. So Matthew chapter 28 starts like this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So this is after Jesus has died, and 
the women were going out to the tomb earlier in the passage, it tells us, to prepare Jesus' body with spices. And it says that there was a huge earthquake, so much so that the stone was literally rolled away from the opening. The tomb is open, the guards are freaking out, and they go report it to their superiors. And the superiors pay them to keep it a secret. Meanwhile, the angel says to the women, don't be afraid. I know the guards were afraid, but you don't have to be because Jesus has risen, just as he said. Powerful words. And then he tells them to go and tell the disciples. So on the way to tell the disciples, the women literally meet Jesus. And he tells them to have the disciples meet him at the mountain that they had talked about in Galilee. So in verse 17, when they saw him at that mountain, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And what I love about this is that this isn't an invitation for perfect people. This is an invitation for people who are still doubting. Some of the 11 disciples, disciples who had spent three years following Jesus, seeing amazing miracles, were doubting. They were doubting and worshiping. So doubt and worship are not mutually exclusive. We can worship God and still have this sense of, I just don't know, I don't understand, I don't get it. We can worship and follow God even in our doubt. So Jesus continues in verse 18. He said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And what we learn in this section is that Jesus is the authority, not us. I think this is why we can doubt. This is why we can still worship Jesus because he is the authority. And the proof of his authority is in the resurrection. Jesus has conquered the ultimate human enemy of all time. Death could not keep Jesus down. He has risen, just as he said. And because Jesus has the authority, because he has conquered death, he is worthy of our worship. He goes on in verse 19 to say, Therefore, because of all this, because I have conquered death, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So here's the Great Commission. This is our response as followers of Jesus. This is what we get to do. We go. And that word go, it could be better translated as while you are going or as you go. In the past, we've thought of this, some of us, at least I have, I've thought of this go as a sense of a missionary. I've had to go somewhere else to do God's work, to make disciples, to do this thing that God has called me. I have to go somewhere else. But that's not what Jesus is talking here. The word for go there could be better understood as as they were going or as you go, as you live out your life, as you go about working, as you go about playing and spending time with your family, as you drive your car, as you eat, whatever you are doing, you can make disciples. 
That is the great commission, is the thing that God is calling us to do. And that word, make disciple, is really one word in the Greek. It's mathetuo, and it has two parts to it. The first part is to be a learner. To be a learner is to be connected to Jesus. And at Crossview, we talk about connecting to Jesus. And when we talk about connecting to Jesus, we're talking about learning from Jesus. Learning about Jesus, learning about his ways. We can think about the series that we just finished this fall on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're new, you want to go back and watch some of it. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' greatest teaching. And it covers the way of Jesus, how we can live like Jesus wants us to do. And at the end of it, he calls us to put it into practice, to live it out in our daily lives. Well, learning theory would tell us there are three primary ways that we learn. 10% of our learning takes place through instruction or through studying and reading. And so as we think about wanting to learn from Jesus, we think about 10% of our learning can be that sense of studying the Bible, reading our Bible, getting instruction, hearing sermons, seeking instructions from Jesus. So what would it look like for you to study, to learn from Jesus through instruction, to read your Bible and study it on a regular basis, and to get instruction? Learning theory also tells us that 20% of our learning takes place through our community, through our relationship with one another. So what would it look like for us to be a part of a community that is learning about the way of Jesus and challenging us to live the way of Jesus. Finally, learning theory would say 70% of our learning is through our own experiences, the own challenges, the challenges that we live out in life. And I would relate this to just trying to live the Jesus way. As we try to live the Jesus way, we're inevitably going to face challenges. Satan certainly doesn't want us to live the Jesus way. We're going to face challenges in this world. The storms will come as we talked about in the earlier, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to learn as we try to live the Jesus way out. And the question for us is, how are you engaging in learning the Jesus way? Am I studying the Jesus way? Am I living in community trying to live the Jesus way? And am I trying to live the Jesus way out and learn from the ways that I am trying that? Well, the second part of that Matthew word, make disciple, is teacher, to be a teacher. And at Crossby, we, talked about, we talk about connecting people to Jesus and helping people connect Jesus to their world. And that's that second part of the Great Commission that Jesus is talking about, the teacher part. And Jesus calls it baptizing and teaching. He calls us to baptize and teach. And what that does is it helps us to understand that baptism piece, that this isn't just supposed to be something that stays in our holy huddle, in our little church, in our little group. It's for all nations, he says. He says, baptizing them, uh, baptizing all nations. Baptism is an initiation process. It's a bringing into the family of God, into our family. That teaching really is simply this. It's sharing what we know about Jesus with other people, not as experts, but as fellow learners. 
And how do we teach other people? Well, I think we teach in the same way that we learn. So as we're reading our Bible, as we're studying our Bible, as we're listening to sermons and receiving instruction, the question we can ask ourselves is, who else could benefit from this? Who else would receive this knowledge and be blessed? In the same way that we learn in community, as we are challenged to live our faith out alongside other believers, we can ask ourselves, who else could benefit from living in this community and being a part of this community? We want to invite more and more people into our small groups, into our church. And then the third part of that learning theory is the challenge part, the experiences that we have in this world. And we can invite other people to join us in that challenge. We can invite other people into the challenges that we are. We can challenge other people to live into the ways that God is calling us, not as experts again, but as fellow learners. So what are we teaching them? Well, Jesus tells us we are to teach them everything that he has commanded us. And I geek out a little bit here because there's a bit of recursion going on here. I'm a computer science grad, undergrad, and recursion is something that's repeated, a simple process that's repeated over and over again to get a result. And so, geeking out a little bit, I put up on the slide here the Great Commission, this is what this is known as, for geeks. So as you see on the, on the slide here, while I am living, while living, make a disciple. And you insert your name in there. And then you're going to connect to Jesus. You're going to live the Jesus way. And then you're going to do that second part. You're going to make a disciple of another person. And you can see how that continues over and over again. At least for you geeks out there. I know we have a few. And so I know for some of you, you're like, man, my mind is blowing up. I don't understand code. So I wrote it out in a different way for you. So if we can go to the next slide. As you go, learn from Jesus and live like Jesus taught us. And then teach others to learn from Jesus and live like Jesus taught us. And then they too will go. They will begin to go in their lives and they will learn from Jesus and live like Jesus taught us. And they will then teach other people to learn from Jesus and live like Jesus taught us. And I wrote it out one more way just to make sure that this sticks in our heads because this is really important. This is the mission. This is the purpose of the church. Here at Crossview, we simply call it connecting people to Jesus and helping people connect Jesus to their world. So you can see down there, it says, as you go, connect to Jesus. And as you're connecting to Jesus, connect Jesus to your world. It's so simple that literally anybody can do it. You don't have to have a computer science degree. You don't even have to be a rocket scientist. It's God's plan for connecting people to him. It's God's plan for sharing his love with the world. And the good news is that we don't have to do it alone. Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount by saying, and surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I love this because this is the bookends of the book of Matthew. We studied this on Christmas Eve, if you were with us. It says, Jesus 
would be called Emmanuel in the first chapter, which means God is with us. And it ends with Jesus' promise to be with us to the very end of the age. This is good news as we live out this great commission, this great purpose for us and the church. Jesus is with us. We don't have to do this alone. And the question for us today is, how are you connecting Jesus to your world? When you begin to connect Jesus to your world, you move from being a consumer of religious goods and services to becoming a contributor in the kingdom of God. You become a part of a contributor to the family of God. It's just as children grow up, they move from being consumers of family resources to becoming contributors to family resources. Eventually, we send them out to go start their own families, to go be a part of our world. And this is the vision that compelled Sandy and myself and our family to move here to Mankato. Mankato doesn't need another church. There are lots of churches. It needs more disciples. And planting churches has been shown to be the most effective tool that we have for making disciples. Our 10-year goals here at Crossview include planting more churches. Sandy and I didn't move here just to plant a single church. We moved here because Crossview had a vision of planting churches, multiple churches. And as we live out the Great Commission, as we live on mission for Jesus, We will do that. We will create more disciples. We'll create more small groups. We'll create more churches because there will be a need for that. And that's the second part of our 10-year goal here at Crossview is that we would live on mission in our community. And then the third part of our 10-year goal here at Crossview is to bring hope and healing through our global partnerships. This is a mission that God has called the church to for all time. He has called us to live into this and to bring this hope and healing and good news to the world. So I want to encourage you to be a part of it, to be a partner in this great mission. And there's really two ways to do that. We talked about it. Be a learner. Number one, study more. Read your Bible more. Come to church and learn from our sermons. Find ways to get instruction So you're challenged to live the Jesus way. And then immerse yourself into a community, a smaller community of people who can challenge you and encourage you to live the Jesus way. And then live the Jesus way out. Try it on. And get feedback from other people just as we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Try the Jesus way. So be a learner. And then secondly, be a teacher. Connect Jesus to your world, as we talk about at Crossview. We'll talk more about this next week, about our strategy and how we do that. For this week, I just want to challenge you to think about who. Who could you be a teacher to? Who could you bring along and teach what you've learned, not as an expert, but as a fellow learner, somebody who is maybe a little bit farther along on the journey of following Jesus? I want to close by telling you about some things that I learned in my uh, master's degree down at Wheaton College. In a church on book planting, David Garrison writes about David and Jan Watson, missionaries in India who reported to their mission agency a list of nearly 100 cities 
towns and villages with new churches and thousands of new believers. The headquarters saw the report. They were a little skeptical. Really? I don't know about this. Most missionaries report slow or at best moderate growth. They said, this can't be. Either you've misunderstood the question or hopefully, but maybe you're not telling us the truth. Well, Garrison reports that he was stung by the words from his supervisor, but he held his tongue and he said, come and see. So headquarters sent out a team to see the work. And after the trip, his supervisor commented, I personally went in very doubtful, but we were wrong. Everywhere we went, it was exactly as they had reported. God was doing something amazing there. Garrison, who was writing the book, says a a year later, a report from Southeast Asia described a similar eruption of new churches. The following year, he says, missionaries serving in Latin America witnessed the same sort of spontaneous multiplication of hundreds of new churches. And that same year, two more such reports came in from China. We began to refer to these amazing phenomena as church planting movements. And I want you to know that this isn't just happening around the world, it's happening here in the United States. Our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, has planted, it's a small denomination, mind you, has planted around 55 new churches in the last three years. We among them. 68% of those are led by pastors of color, so we're reaching new places in our country. And the cool thing is 28% of those are led by women. And here at Crossview, more specifically at Crossview Rosa Parks, we are seeing people being discipled. We are seeing people who have not been to church coming to church. And I hope that this is just the beginning. This is why Sandy and I moved here, to be a part of a movement, a church planting movement. And I hope that you are excited to be a part of it and that you will join in by being a disciple and making disciples. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you promised to be with us. Thank you for including us in your mission. You could totally choose to do this on your own. You don't even need us, but you choose to use us. We get to be a part of what you are doing. And it brings me joy, and I know it brings so many others joy. We pray for this new church plant as we continue the work of starting a new church here in Mankato. We pray that more and more people would become disciples, followers of you, and that that would multiply here and around the world. Amen.